Okay. So you know, we started talking about the schizophrenic nation last night. That if you don't, if you don't believe in something, uh, you know, then then you have all these views and about the Ten Commandments. And then on page forty-seven, we begin to talk about the door, the door left open, the new morality in in uh, there in the door left open uh, in that second paragraph. It says his or the or the the, the demonic powers battle was raged in the realm of morality, spirituality, politics, and culture. And so we can see from today, just in the last five to ten years, how much morality has changed and spirituality, and and, and all all these things have have changed. Uh, you know, in nineteen, I talked we talked about nineteen seventy two last week where. You know where the first lawsuit about being able to cuss on TV was, and the the first time they 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 would let nudity start, and then once it started, when the floodgate opened, I mean, you know, it's it's you, you hardly can't watch anything now. And then we also talked about, and, and this is I had several conversations this week with people because uh, this really opened my eyes when 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 Baal or the gods couldn't get our generation, just like the mirror with Israel. They went for the children. If we can change the children, then we'll change the next generation. And that's why, as parents and grandparents, you know, and, and when this stuff hits Barbara County, Dale County, Ayrton, Alabama, I'm going to be interested to see how many people talking all this big talk is really going to stand up when they start telling us we can't pray, when they start telling us we can't take our Bibles, when they start telling us all this stuff, you know, because the church, like I've said many times, we are responsible for letting it get to this point. We took Roe v. Wade laying down. We took Bible out of schools laying down. We took prayer out of school. We, we made no kind of uproar about any of it, you know. So will we really make uproar about this or we just a lot of big, a big talk going on? Because they, they're coming for the children. Because, I mean, and you can see it. Why are all the drag show queens and LGBT, why is that all in elementary school? Uh, you don't see it anywhere else. All of it is in the school, see. About about all these rights and all these changes, these socialism. And that's, you know, y'all tell me what the word was last week. It ain't CRT. It's what was the common core. Common core. Uh, I know uh, Ben Baker. You know, in in, in Dale County, said no, we will not teach common core regardless if it's a government mandate, state mandate. We will not teach it in in Dale County. And may, maybe the other counties. I don't know what their policies are, but you know, I I know that's what he said about. About the Dale County Schools, so all this common, you know, when they they changing history and changing, you know, the way it reads and the way it's worded to to reindoctrinate the children, and then you bring children up without no standard, which and that's what the United States, the Bible and and Christianity has been all these years has been a standard to measure ourselves against. But when you don't have a standard, then there's no there's no measurement. There's there's nothing to to uh, condemn, ain't right. Uh, and there's nothing to, 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 to pull on their conscience, you know, that this ain't right, that we're going too far, because there's no standard, see? And that's what all of our jobs are in our homes, is to set that standard for where we do have, uh, you know, I think about Elijah a lot, you know, he went to God and said, you know, hey, you know, I'm the only one left, and Jezebel's trying to kill me, you know, and God said, no, no, I've saved 7,000 men, you know, that, that, that honor me and, and, and do what I want, you know. So sometimes we think we're the only ones, but, but it's our job, you know, to, to raise up that 7,000 in this community that'll, that'll stand, you know. And you just have to be so careful. We kept the, 
the grandbabies this weekend. We had a, uh, some of our family had a, had a funeral, you know, and you, you, there's just no cartoons to watch. I mean, cartoons was, was innocent. You know, they, if you, you, you just, they somewhere in there, they're going to put something about gays and lesbians, something about it. They're going to they gonna put something in there, in, in that, you know, even, even that part of it, they're, they're going after, after our, our kids, you know. So find out, Angie's found something on her phone. What is it that this Christian videos and movies, uh, something on YouTube. Anyway, it's kind of, it ain't Veggie Tales, but it's in that neighborhood. And so she just plugs her phone up now. That's what, that's what they watch at the house is that in there. So it's our responsibility, you know, to, to, to raise up our kids and, 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 and help our kids. Uh, you know, you, you got to have kids and, we had I had this conversation with my kids last week. You know, you have to have kids that will let you spiritually be part of their lives. I mean, they let you be physically, but they hold the spiritual power over that child. It's there. It's in their realm, and and our families has to walk together. So so when there's problems, when there's there's issues. Forty seven. So when there's problems or there's issues, you know, the, the power the, the Bible talks about, you know, a thousand one to put a thousand to flight, two to put ten thousand to flight. And there's times when there's problems that, that the parents I won't say not overreact, but Anyway, they, they, they need a stabilizing force when there's an emergency or something because they in it. You know, when it's all up in your face, you're thinking and acting different than, than you know, there's somebody that's kind of standing standing back. So we, we have to have those spiritual inlays in, into our, our, our kids and grandkids. Because it's just totally up to the, to the parent what they allow or, or, or will allow or will not allow that child to be, to be exposed to. All right. Anybody got anything on that? All right, chapter 12, page 50. Kobe, can you bump that air up? I think they got the heat on. They haven't turned it to air this morning. No, it's on air. It's just on the Okay, we'll turn it down. Maybe it's just me that's hot. You know, y'all hold your breath and it won't get hot in here. <laughs> All right, the molding beast. It says, Baal was the god of prosperity. As the lord of, of rains and fertility, he represented increase, gain, and profit. The belief that he could bring full fruitfulness to one's fields and vineyards was among the strongest of his appeals and weapons in his battle against the god of Israel. The lure of Baal has always been a present danger in American culture. For any nation so blessed with material prosperity as was America, there would always be the risk that its prosperity would become an idol and that it would turn to the God of increase and gain. I just want to read a little bit here and we'll, we'll make a point here. I just want to get to where we're talking about the Almighty here in this next paragraph. It says, unlike the ancient apostasy, the spirit would, would not be centered on the fruit and yields of the earth, but on the modern equivalents, financial seeds, Yields of monetary profit, increased gain. It had the trappings of a new religion, a cult of success, and a doctrine of materialism and greed. In the scriptures, God is called the Almighty. 
In a revealing choice of words, America dubbed its own currency the almighty dollar. We've, we've heard that that many times. And he's going to go on here to, to, to talk about here in just it's a few minutes about America taking a turn and, and, and seem like we hit a generation, the last few generations, that just have to, to, to one-up the past generation. You know, when, when I come up, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but when I came up, you know, most people had a 1,100 square foot house. You know, it was two, three bedrooms, one bath, a kitchen, living room. You know, you know, and, and I thought when I seen, has anybody been to Graceland? And, you know, everybody always, I always heard my whole, you know, everybody's this crazy about Elvis's Graceland, the mansion. Grace, it ain't about 2,200, 2,300 square feet. You know, but in that day, in seven, I mean, it was something. It's got nice ground, just a big ground. But when I got to the house, I was kind of like, my life. All this, I mean, that, 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 this ain't that, this, you know. But in that time, you know, people, 900 square foot, 1,100 square foot. But now, if you don't have a 2,000 square foot house, people don't think, you know, you don't, you know, they build 2,500s and 3,000s, you know. Every, every, you know, everybody's got to do a little better, a little better, you know, up, up, up. And, and I told my youngest, I said, don't fall in my, I mean, mom, we built, a, we, we, we built a, bed, a house with a bedroom for every child. Now I wish we hadn't. They all gone but one. And what do we do with all that? You don't ever go in them rooms. You don't ever see them rooms. They just sit around and, you know. Just, but you don't think about that, you know, when, when, when you're younger. Do what, Bob? It says the bull god. He's talking about here, we just get into how, if you noticed, the Israel... Every time they rebelled against God and made a molten image, it was a bull calf. That was their, their God that they worshipped and they substituted God with was the bull calf. And he's making the connection here that when, when Wall Street turned from providing jobs for people to, to strictly profits, in that same time period, what did they put outside of Wall Street? A big old bull. Big old bull calf. You know, we call it a bull market when it's doing good, you know, and a bear market when it when it's coming down. And he said it's you know, with with the change and taking prayer and everything out, you know, little by little, you know, America don't even realize that we we're we're worshiping the same gods that, that they did uh back in that day. Okay, on page fifty two. Then I wanna we're gonna dig in here on this materialization here. The, uh, the paragraph right above materialization says, If the image of the molten bull was to appear in America and be linked to the same spirit to which it was joined in ancient times, the spirit of materialism and gain, it would be a sign of a nation that had once known God but had turned away and was now worshiping another God, Baal. And let, let me say this. I know we got some, some people hadn't been in a while, some new people come in the last couple of weeks. Um, this book is talking about and we halfway in the book, so I mean, some of this stuff may sound strange to you. But this book is talking about what's going on in America now. That it's a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. And when Christianity, when Jesus came and died on the cross, we had all these Greek mythical gods that those people worshipped. And Christianity drove all those out. You know, the Diana and all those other gods that they worship. Christianity drove all those out into exile. 
And now when, when, when America started doing away with God, not praying, not reading the Bible, raising up this generation, now we are beginning to put God in exile and these same demonic spirits that, that, that ruled back then are infiltrating America because there is no spiritual void. You're either going to have demonic influence or angelic influence. See? So when you pull, when you start pulling back God, start leaving that void, then these spirits come in. And, and that's why you see such a quick downturn in morality and spirituality and all the problems we're seeing. And he's going through every aspect of our lives here. And you're going to really be able to see what's going on in America. And, and uh, I think Phil's probably on one side of me that's read the whole book. I mean, it's, it's eye-opening as you go. Uh, you know, it, I don't mean to say if anybody else has, I'm sorry, but I know Phil, he told me he had read the, read the whole book. It's really, and you really, I mean, you say, man, you know, that's exactly what's going on. This is exactly what's happening as, as we go through here. So he's kind of setting the stage uh, as we go here. All right, materialization. The sign appeared. The site of its materialization was the financial district of New York City, just outside the New York Stock Exchange on Wall Street. It appeared in December 1989. It was a massive 11-foot-tall, 16-foot-long. It weighed 7,100 pounds. It was a molten image in the form of a giant beast, a bull. Now, I took that December 89, and I started doing doing some research um, because he goes on here to say, without us, with us having to, 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 to read everything, you know, that American success began to be part of the problem with the falling away of God, just like Israel. When Israel becomes against, you know, God says, you know, I'm going to bless you, but when I do, don't forget me that I'm the one that got you there. And it's what he's saying here through through this this Wall Street section is as America began to prosper, you know, people get inside they want to go to the lake, they want to go to the beach, they want to do this, which is nothing wrong with all those things, but they want to do them instead of coming to church, instead of doing them together, you know, come to church and enjoy life. And we you see it, you know, people begin to pull back uh, from and using their God time for enjoyment time, and and that partly is part of the problem that, that caused America to get where it is, that plus what, what has gone on in the school. So anyway, I, I begin to look. Because, you know, nowadays, and I, and I dealt with this with my own kids, and I'm sure you have, kids don't want to drive mom and daddy's car. They want their own car. When we came up, we give them old raggedy cars nicknames. They all had, they all had nicknames, you know, you didn't. It wasn't a discussion that when you turned 16, if you was going to get a car. It was, a kid, could you get daddy's truck or mama's car or something on Friday, Saturday night? That was the discussion. Not that you was going to get one yourself, you know. But it's different with this, with this gener- generation. So I got to looking. I, I found this interesting. In 1970, 47% of households only had one car. Only 29% of the total population had two vehicles. It was rare to have a three-vehicle home in 1970. And then you look at, and I look around Cloud where I was raised and all that. That was about right, you know. If, if Betty and Mama both had a job, then, then they probably did have two cars. But a lot of stay-at-home moms, there was only one car. And you used, you used those cars on the weekend. You didn't, you didn't get your own car. All right? So let's fast forward to 2020. 47% in 1970 had one car. 
2020, 91% of the households in the United States have one car. Doubled in that amount of time. But then, but then if you, I wonder what it would really be if you took out people that can't have cars. Like in New York City, all those big skyscrapers people live, they don't have cars because they know where to park them. I wonder if you took that out. I bet it would be almost 100%. I don't know anybody that don't have a vehicle. Does anybody know anybody that don't have at least one vehicle? But then what do you think the next stat is? The average household has how many vehicles today? Huh? Four. You right? The average, average household has three to four vehicles that are explicit use of the parents. This does not include kids' cars that the kids have. How many couples have more than two vehicles in here? See? It's amazing just to see in, in that 20-year period how, how it changed. I, I, I think we got five. I got a work truck. I got a, 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 a truck I try to drive to church in town. You know, got... Yeah. But then you had the kids in there. Then probably most people got five. Vehicles. If you put all the you put the kids' vehicles when they when they were at home or what or whatever, in there. So we get we begin to see. So what is a research this and, and and what's going in the book? When we start removing God, people now rely on money, doctors, and lawyers more than God. You know, we used to talk about praying grandmas. We had praying grandmas. Why? Because there wasn't no medicine and there wasn't no doctor. See? So now our first thought is, I got a, I got a headache. What do I do? That's my first thought. It's not what? Not to pray. But grandma had to pray because grandma didn't have time and all. Grandma didn't have Excedrin. Right? We had Paragark and McKeercrone. I hated both of them. Anybody got McKeercrone put on them? Oh, man. That sets you on fire, won't it? Somebody saw it another week. You can't buy it anymore in there. So, so then you see, though, you know, so when, 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 when you have a blowout on your car, what's your first thought? Do I have money in the bank to get a tire? See, our first thought is no longer God that promised to supply our needs. Our first thought is, see, see socialism is, what is socialism? Socialism is nothing but man trying to meet his own needs without God. Social. So the group is going to meet the needs of the group. Socialism. You're going to take from me to help them or take from them to, to help me as a social, as a society. I'm no longer an individual. See, that, that's socialism is, is what it is. And because of, of, of America's great prosperity, you know, our thoughts are no longer on, on the Bible first or asking God's opinion First, very rarely, most of the time, we'll go do something right, in this day and age, and we realize it's wrong, and then we realize, I didn't even pray about that. I didn't even ask God about that. You see, why? Because He is somewhere in this priority list that's, even for us people in this room I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about people that don't know God. You know, I made a bunch of decisions, you know, I didn't even think to pray about that, you know. And that, that, that's the dumbest thing I could ever do. I probably could have missed a lot of problems 
if I'd have prayed about it. So we begin to see how low down, even in the church, that 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 that, that God is on the priority scale. You know, so I'm trying to revamp the way I think and and, and ask Him first. You know, because the, the we have to do that first. It, it may be the same idea we have. But he may have a different way of doing it or, or telling us not to do it at all. You know, when you go to buy a car, it would be really important to know, I like the red one, but the, the red one's a lemon and the blue one's not. You need to buy the blue one even though you want the red one. The blue one ain't a lemon. That'd be real real nice to know. So how many ever bought, bought something and you regret buying it? But how many times do we ask God about it? Do, do, do you see what he's saying here as, as society? You know, and, and I thought about this. I, I spent... You don't know many, many years with, with, with Van Heusen. Mr. Phillips, it was actually called Phillips Van Heusen. The Phillips family uh, owned, owned Van Heusen. It was, it, both people knew it as Van Heusen, but it was Phillips Van Heusen. And Mr. Phillips was the grandson, the, the, the last heir to own it. Uh, Mr. Phillips, he was the grandson of the guy that started it. And they were always so pro-employee. They valued the people of you know, and, and when we hit twelve thousand employees, you know, he, he had this big celebration at every factory. You know, we had lunch and and, and all this. It was a big deal, you know. The and it was not not just with Van Heusen, but all companies valued employees. All right, but when this started in the stock market, Mister Phillips got old and, and his health. He stayed as long as he could, and then they brought in a new CEO. And it, just like all of Wall Street at the time, he began. He was profit driven. He didn't care about the people. How much profit can I get to the shareholders? That's who hires and fires. See, Mr. Phillips couldn't be fired. It was his company. See, but then when when I am the CEO and the board of directors and the shareholders decide if I keep a job or not, then my loyalty no longer is to the employee. Is to that profit margin. See, profits, as long as businesses were making profits in the 70s and early 80s, everything was good. And they give, you know, most everybody had, had good insurance, had good benefits, had some type of retirement system. But now you see most, most working people don't have any benefits at all. They took them and turned that into profit back to the, the shareholder instead of valuing the employee like, like it was, you know, unless you got a, a you know, a, 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 a power company job, a, a, a state job, a, a, a rooker cop job. Most, most other jobs don't, don't have insurance, don't have retirement anymore. But before, in the 70s, 80s, you didn't find any place that, that, that didn't have at least some kind of health care. Might not have retirement, but they had health care in there. But then that began to change. And then you could see, well, you could just see people live around here. When that began to change, see, we could make a, we, 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 we made garments by the dozens. That's how, how we did it in Houston. So we could make garments in Central America $8 a dozen cheaper than we can make them here in the United States, which Mr. Phillips didn't care. But when it became profit-driven, we began to open factories in Central America. And as those factories grew and got stabilized, then we began to take production from the American factories and moving it south, and it began to downsize and ultimately close those those factories all for the dollar. I spent I spent almost ten years working in in Central America. We put millions and millions of dollars in factories down there. That's what I did. I was a startup guy. I went to startup. I've had a problem. They sent me to the problem places. Anyway, I, I thought to say this. So then. You heard of the World Trade Organization? See, 
we always had high, high tar tariffs on China because of the way they treat their people, paying a dime an hour. There's no way you could competitively import from China without putting the whole rest of the world uh, out of business because of, uh, of, of the cheap, cheap labor. So that's what tariffs did. Tariffs are, are designed to keep the American business competitive because what they want to do is come in and sell stuff cheap and get their foothold in the market to get market share, see? And then once they get market share, they're going to raise their price right back up. So tariffs stops those, those, that cheap labor from coming in getting market share and, 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 and then taking your price right back. You know, there was a time when Walmart first existed, it would only have American-made. You could not buy anything that wasn't American-made. You could not buy anything that wasn't American-made in Walmart. But, but when the Walton family kind of got out of it, you've seen that chain, everything's made somewhere else. Nothing's made in America. So anyway, so when the World Trade Organization, Bill Clinton and them come in, and they dropped all the tariffs. Now, I'll tell you, we spent $50, $60 million in Central America. All right? And they dropped that tariff with China. Three years, every single plant that we built in Central America was gone to China. Zero left. Closed every American plant, closed everything in Central America. Why? $14 a dozen, almost a dollar a garment cheaper coming out of China than we can make it anywhere else. And they give a big shot to the dividends, to the shareholders. Let me show you this, though. Well, I'm, I'm trying to make a point with this. All right? Van Heusen stock was $100. All right? A share. All right? So, Van Heusen, back then the law was that uh, when 401ks just started, that you had to have, you had, your 401k had to include 25% of the company you worked for stock. So everybody, all these 12,000 employees, we all had 25% in our 401k of Van Heusen stock. It was mandatory. The other 75%, you could choose if you wanted money market, if you wanted mutual funds, whatever. You could choose the, 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 the other balance, but you had to have that 25%. All right. The average person in our in our in our U.S. facilities was from the 15 to the 30 year span of, of being with the company. Long long term. Most people, well, you know, well, maybe y'all don't know, but people my age know. People didn't jump jobs back then. You was now we had people work 40, 50 years. You know, with Van Houston, people didn't jump jobs. They stayed at a job. They didn't jump like they do do today. So you know, this is the point. So you got a lot of these ladies and men. 60 is 62 right in that neighborhood, you know, just on the verge of, of, you know, they paid all these years into that 401k, all right? In two-week period, they announced first thing was going to close Hartford. It was our first closure was Hartford, all right? And that still left us eight factories. That stock in that two-week period went from $100 a share to $6. Wiped out those people's 401k. All because of what he's talking about here. Because of people more interested in money and profit than they are people. See? We use things as a Christian. It's, you're supposed to be blessed. You're supposed to have things. But we use things to attract people to God. We don't use people to get things. See, if you ain't careful on your job, you'll start talking bad about your competition there where you might get try to get a leg up on him before you can get the promotion. See, you're using people to get things. That's wrong. You'll never win with that, see. Your job is to encourage him and be excited because if he can get the job, then you, you know God, you can get better than that. 
See, we use things to get people, not people to get things. It's totally reversed from the world, see. And, and I want to show you all that this morning because you can see that's how. And you see there is companies have zero loyalty to employees nowadays. They have zero loyalty because their, their security relies in pleasing the stockholders. They've got to get that dividend to that stockholder when, when, when all this he's talking about here in the stock exchange come about. Because if not, then they lose their job. See? They, so they're using us to get stuff for themselves. That's why they're never successful. They don't last long because they upside down in it. Does that make sense? Anybody got a comment? So I say, you know, my point is, you know, we, we can't read our checkbook or savings account or the doctor or the lawyer can't be, should not be the first place our mind goes when we, when we have issues. It should go to God first and ask what He should do. Because whatever He directs us to do, it may be through the same process, but it'll be way more successful and won't be near as a bumpy ride if, if we do it His way. Chapter 13, Deep Magic. My time keeps running here today. Deep Magic. It says, if a nation changes its God, the nation itself will be changed. That's self-evident. So America turned from God to the spirit of Baal. A transformation took place. The anxious God began to work in working his deep magic and set in motion the paganization of America and Western civilization. It would happen on a multitude of levels, some brazen or overt, others not as obvious but deeper under the surface, and in the end even more profound and far-reaching. These were the deeper consequences of America's paganism. I want to read these first two sections here to, to get to where I want to go. Since when Israel turned from God, the land became filled with idols. It was not an accident. It was an unchangeable dynamic. The nation that turns from God will always turn to other gods. Remember what we're talking about. There's no spiritual void. See, one force or the other is, is going to be uh, representing the people or, or, or putting their view out to the people. Says even if... Even if it never utters their names or erects their idols, even if it turns to atheism or other form of secularism, it will always be led to worship and serving of other gods. This dynamic can be seen in communism, Nazism, fascism, and any other ism that seeks to drive out God. Other things will take place on the aura and the authority of God, good godhood and seek to reign in His place. Now, World War II. We arrested people who even associated with communism and that kind of stuff. We seen them as spies because of, of World War II. You go through Ronald Reagan, all those presidents there, we called it the Cold War. Our number one priority was stopping communism from spreading through Central and South America. Country spent billions and billions of dollars doing it. So now, we take God out of schools. We have no standard. So now, we have more people 
that are beginning to say they like communism, they like socialism, they like Marxism, they like Muslim, they like all that, and fewer and fewer people of the Christian persuasion. Can you, can you see the dynamic? When we begin to pull God back, something fills that void. All the stuff we spent our whole 200-year history fighting against, and now we're saying it's good and we should accept it and, and, and it's the right way. Do, do you see the flip? And so, I'm asking you. You've seen the... Y'all are old enough and, and been around and sight enough that you've seen what has happened the last 10 years. 10 years ago, you would never have imagined that things would be what they are today. In just that short... Even five years ago. Three years ago. All right? So all this stuff has to happen for Jesus to return. So why is it going to be shocking in the next three to five years what might snowball from where we already started? See? The Bible says if, you know, if time's not shortened, even the very elect will be fooled. See, we got to start now deciding what, our, what we grounded in, what we rooted in, what is our core values, what is our standard. Because if not, that standard's going to delete and people are not going to be wise to it. And next thing you know, you're going to get yourself caught in the middle of all that and, and not even know how you got there. See, we see it in the church. We talked about this the other week, you know, how church have begun to lower their standards because they're interested in, and if I say this or do this, people might leave my church. Well, that's what Christianity is about. It's about the pastor challenging what you believe, what you think, how you act, and to promote you to do something better. Is that not what church is about? You know, you're supposed to go to church to be challenged, you know, and, and hopefully you got a pastor that ain't going to be dogmatic and, you know, and, and try to offend people. But that's what church is about, is revealing, pulling, the pastor pulling the cover back on us where we can see ourselves and see what we need to improve. But, but people will go ballistic nowadays if you try to give them some correction or, or some, some change. They, they, they just go, go, go ballistic. They just wound so people. You know how people just wound so tight. They're looking for somewhere just to blow up. They just wound tight. Well, if I was dealing with all that stuff they're dealing with, I might be too. But I ain't. I'm dealing with God. So I ain't got to deal with all that. I'm exempt. So anyway, I, I, want, I want you to see that, how, how, how now you know, all these different things we, we, we're beginning to condone. You know, you can't, the only people you can offend today in society are Christian people. They'll boycott you, they'll, what do they call it when they try to get them actors where they don't let them get any work, what do they call it, what do they do to them? They don't blacklist them, blackball them. You know, they, you know unless you're a Christian. They can say or do whatever they want to you, but you can't talk about no Muslim. You can't talk about a gay person. You can't talk about any of that. You're going to get blackballed and ostracized, and they're going to try to do everything they can to, to, to ruin your life. The deification. We'll jump on over page 55. I'll make a few points. The bell's going to ring here in just a second. Substitute for God has always existed. But now with the expelling of God, they began taking on the garb of deity. In the absence of God, there was nothing that could not be deified. One's God is that which is one's ultimate reality. Therefore, it cannot be questioned. So there now arose new movements, causes, ideologies, and systems of thought that could not be challenged or questioned. That's what we're fixing to get into next week. Thank you. Y'all have a good week.